0: Church, we serve a wonderful God, don't we? I was uh, thinking about our Christmas songs this morning and how at times they seem kind of somber. And I want you to know because it's reminding us of the despair the world was in, the darkness the world was in. And it helps us kind of sense that and feel that, kind of like the way we do our Good Friday service. There's a lot of darkness there. Christ went to the cross, he died, he went into the tomb, and then we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. As we begin this morning, um, I want to share with you a little bit from history. Um, History has preserved for us uh, two magnificent silver artifacts discovered in uh, Celtic cultures of uh, Northern, northern Europe. I'm thinking I'm trying to advance this thing. Will it advance? Mike, can you scroll that for me? Um, anyway, so we'll, you're going to see these two artifacts here up on the screen momentarily. And one was found, uh, it's known as the Gunnerstrup Cauldron. It was discovered in a bog in Denmark. It comes from a, uh, a century or two before Christ, at the time when many worshiped pagan gods. It is adorned with pictures of gods and warriors. And one panel, you can see on the inside here, on the picture to your bottom left, um, it shows some of these, these gods on the inside, depicted Sir Nunus, Tyrannus, and Amorian. And many histori- uh, historians believe this cauldron was used um, in Druid rituals of human sacrifice to appease pagan gods. So here it is, 200 years before Christ, human sacrifice is still happening. And and they created these artworks to depict that. And the second cup you see here to the right is called the Arda Chalice and comes from the 7th or 8th century after Christ, a time when Irish had uh, turned, uh, when uh, Ireland had turned to Christianity. And uh, thanks to who, by the way, history, who brought Christianity to Ireland Patrick, they called him St. Patrick, but he was actually English. Um, But yeah, St. Patrick brought the gospel. So something happened. Um, So something radically happened at this time. And we see various crosses on the one to the right. It's hard to see this picture up close. You would be able to tell more um, details. The outside of the bowl is engraved with the Latin names of the apostles. In contrast to the god of war, this is is a cup of peace designed by the church to be used in communion Um, as the worshipers lift this uh, this cup to their lips they're reminded that christ gave his life for us that he sacrificed his life instead of us sacrificing other people and what we see in these two cups actually reminds us what happened in history. It's something that changed in Europe and in the Celtic cultures. There was a time before Christ when people worshipped pagan gods in mass, in darkness, that affected the very way they did life down to their artwork and their very worship. The world was in darkness. People, as the Bible te- taught, or teaches us, they walked in darkness. And then there was a time when Christ came. He arrived. We celebrate Advent because the great light has come into the world. Now, Isaiah speaks about this. This is a prophecy. We read it last week, Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 and 2. Then you would actually look at 6 and 7 concerning Christ and the things that uh, have happened that we know that this great light has come isaiah 9 and verse 2 i recommend you making note of that going back and reading verse 1 and 2 and i'm going to read from matthew and you'll see that on the screen momentarily the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness or some translations the shadow of death on them has light shined and the apostle matthew applies this to the ministry of jesus christ and i want you to see this here He says, now when he's writing, and we've been watching The Chosen on Wednesday, so you see Matthew starting to uh, jot down the things of Jesus. Now when he heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew into Galilee, and leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Now I'm sharing that with you so you know there was prophecy Part of Christianity is a forthtelling, proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. In other parts is that we are a prophetical people. We believe that God has spoken and things are be, have been fulfilled and are being fulfilled. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. Verse 16, the people dwelling in darkness, a reiteration of this. The people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region and shadow of death on them, a light has dawned. Isaiah speaks about this. And Matthew is applying it to the ministry of Jesus Christ. And then verse 17, from that time, Jesus began to preach saying, repent, repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Just a little bit here and moving forward. Capernaum, if you were to look at a Bible map, will be at the northern part of the Sea of Galilee. So in this region, Jesus would be doing ministry, uh, the northern shore of the Sea of Galilee. This is where Jesus' base of operations would be during his time of ministry in that before going to Jerusalem. You would actually, if you read through the Gospel of Luke, you'll see a radical shift that Jesus is doing ministry in these little towns And the places of Galilee, then all of a sudden he has set his face toward Jerusalem, and then he will eventually make his way to Jerusalem. So this region of Zebulun, this is why this is important for us in Naphtali, had experienced turmoil under the Assyrian domination, and the Jewish inhabitants had longed for liberation from Gentile rule. So when we we talk about this king coming, they expected an earthly kingdom, They wanted to be saved from Gentile rule, and they were the first to see, as Matthew shows us here, the great light of God's deliverance. And it wasn't just earthly rule. The deliverance would be deliverance from sin and the domination of the world affairs that Christ would save us from. And what I want you to see as we proceed here is what Jesus tells us. What is his first message associated with this great light that Isaiah is talking about, that Matthew applies to the ministry of Jesus? His first message coming out as the great light is this. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. So it's not just, hey, this Jesus guy, this Messiah, this long-awaited-for deliverer is here. He has a message for us, and it is repentance. Repentance. And there are those today that would say repentance only applies to the Jewish culture, but if you were to read the New Testament, you will come and find out that Jesus Christ says, repent. John the Baptist said to repent. The New Testament writers say repent. Paul says repent. Peter says repent. And if you read the book of Revelation, which is to all people, not just the Jewish culture, it says repent. So this is a major teaching of Jesus Christ and for the entire church and for all people. And church, that's what I want to deal with today. For us to understand this great light, and I love to talk about the megas foes, who Christ is, this, this great light that has come into the world, His goodness, his, his, his holiness. But for us to talk about the great light, we have to understand the darkness. We have to deal with sin and death. Now some of you might say, Pastor, you were talking about sin last week. Are we going to talk about sin again this week? Yes! For us to talk about the good news of the gospel, we have to talk about the bad news. Why is this light so special? Why do we even light a candle? Why do we quote these scriptures and talk about the prophecies of Jesus Christ and this great light coming? It's because there was a great darkness. And we're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 5 and a portion of what Mary read. And as you're turning there or you're preparing your um, your Bible apps to get into Ephesians, and I recommend going back and reading the entire chapter there, um, as we are going into the Christmas season... And as we do once a month, we quote from what Paul wrote to Timothy. So repeat after me, all scripture scripture is breathed out by God God and is useful useful to teach us what is true, to to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. lives. It It corrects us when we are wrong, teaches us to do what is right. Amen. Let's get into the Word of God. Uh, Ephesians here. Paul is writing this letter to the church in Ephesus, chapter 5, verses 7 through 11. First, therefore. Now, raise your hand if you're a Bible student. When it says, therefore, thank God we have five Bible students in here. (laughs) Uh, Hopefully, we're all Bible students. I say that jokingly. So, um, as we're getting into this, therefore, it starts off. Now, old Bible scholars would say, you know, what is it therefore? Why is that there? But it is a transitional phrase because everything I've just talked about, then this. And what has Paul talked about? He's talking about people walking in darkness or people living in perverted sin and idolatry. Therefore, do not become partakers with them. We are in the world, but we are not of the world. We are called to minister to people. We are not called to do life like the world does life. We do not become partakers with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So walk as children of light. Actually, verse 1 talks about walking as children of God in love. And here it is. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. Um, That is a huge ministry of the church, by the way. We're called to proclaim the truth of Jesus Christ, to defend what we believe. We are to expose evil agendas in the world. Now, that's just a side note. We're not getting into that per se. Let's go ahead and pray together as God's people. Father in heaven, we love you. Lord, we thank you for all the good things you've been doing. We thank you for all those who have been uh, stepping forward and and giving and serving and helping um, to help this ministry function as we are learning to reach Casper for you. And Lord, I pray today uh, that we pause and recognize this good work that you are doing in our lives and in the church and in the world. And Lord, that we have hope. We thank you that you are the God of love and hope. Uh, that even though the world is in darkness, light has come. The good news is here. Churches are established. The gospel is going out. People are being saved and delivered from sin. And, Lord, we thank you for calling us to such a time as this. Sometimes we may think, I wish we had just lived lived centuries ago, uh, decades ago, but this is the challenge you have given us. And I pray that we help reveal to people your good news that they need saving from their sins. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, church, there's a lot packed into these few verses, and I wish we could spend a lot of time here. Um, But here it is. Uh, This time of year, we celebrate Christ's arrival, his epiphany, his appearing, um, because Christ has come. And that's good news, by the way. I mean, uh, Jay, from time to time, he'll say he is risen just to see if you guys are paying attention because he's still risen, by the way. You know, it's not just I can't wait till Easter so we can say he is risen. Uh, But no other time of the year. You know, Uh, we should celebrate Christ every day. He is king. He is light. He's coming to the world to save us from our sins. My dad wrote a song years ago. I love it. It's called Christmas is always here. Uh, Because Christ is always with us. The light has come into the world. And here it is. Christmas is such a time to remember. Um, We have experienced this Christmas to remember. You can reflect on times of past. And you can think of different days and Christmases throughout history in your life. And there were special Christmases and times. But I want you to know that it is always special. What Christ has done is the Christmas to remember because it deals with the heart of the issue. It deals with the issue of darkness and sin and death in the world. And we're going to get into this. The first thing I want you to see, and this is a radical understanding. I think our understanding of the love of God and the good news is very vague. Our understanding of sin and darkness is even less. And I think Paul helps us understand the reality of sin and death and darkness in the world. Here it is. You were darkness. Again, Paul says, Therefore, do not not become partakers with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord, so walk as children of light. Church, Paul makes it pretty clear that you not only walked in darkness, you did works of darkness, but he's telling us here and this is revelation that you in fact were darkness you were in the darkness you were part of the problem and a lot of times we say hey it is them they are the problem but the reminder here is that you were once part of the problem and hopefully not anymore but you were in fact darkness Paul actually brings us to us as well in Ephesians That you were dead in trespasses and sins. It wasn't that it was just this understanding of that. Well, you kind of did some bad things and we call that death. You were spiritually dead. Though you were walking around doing life. Uh, And though that there is light in the world, you were a part of the dark system of the world until you've been delivered by the great light. As Christ followers, we must understand the doctrine of sin. We should know its origin and its consequences. And it's much worse than we've ever talked about it. it is, it's is just—it's wretched. Sin has brought forth death. That is how bad sin is. And actually, James talks about that. First, you, you have these desires in your heart. You're lost. You're thinking about it. Then you sin, and sin ultimately leads to death. Um, sin is wretched. Sin is what calls the fall, disobedience of Adam. Paul writes about this in Romans chapter 5, and you should make note of this in understanding where did sin come from. By the way, the Christianity teaches an origin. You were created, the world was created by God, and you were created in the image of God to display that in the world, but what happened in Genesis chapter 3? Somebody sinned. And because of that sin, death has come into the world. Paul explains it this way in chapter 5, verse 12 of his letter to Rome. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. Because of Adam's decision to eat of the fruit that God told him not to eat, one command, by the way, That shows how bad our hearts are, that we can sin. It was one command and he couldn't keep it. We were talking about how many commands God has. Actually, God has like 613 in the Bible. That's a lot. Uh, We talk about the 10. But imagine if you just had one. And that you can be deceived into breaking even one command. Now, a note here, and God gave me something to share this morning. Here it is. Um, Who was tempted by the serpent? Was Adam deceived by the serpent? Who was deceived by the serpent? So Eve disobeys, listens to the serpent. And then Adam did not listen to the serpent. He hearkened to his wife's voice. So a message to the men as we go forward. (laughs) I don't know if I can say what I'm supposed to say now. Somehow it turned humorous. (laughs) But there's things that you might not be necessarily tempted by as a man. But your wife may be tempted by that. And she may lure you into doing some of those things. It's not that you're tempted by it, but we give in at times. Because sometimes a spouse in the home can hijack things because of their desires, because of what they want. And we give in, a lot of men do this, they give in to the wrong things because a spouse is pressuring them to do it. And here it is, both. It's a message to both because any spouse can do that. I'm just talking about the origin here. Now here it is, we're walking through what Paul says about the origin of sin. Romans chapter three and verse 23. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I've said this for years. Every time I get mad about one of my kids spilling something, What have you done? And then somehow a cup flips out of my hand. Magically, I don't know how it happened. Spilled. Things go everywhere. Red drink on the floor. And it's like this. God is always telling me, as soon as you think you got it all figured out, then you're spilling. The reminder is all have spilled and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all spilled. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 here for us, for the wages of sin is death. Sin leads to death. We deserve death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Look around you. One of the most verifiable doctrines is sin and the fall. It's just wretched evil. I don't even know why people watch the news. I don't even want to watch the news. It's just sick. It's evil, murder, betrayal, deception. All these these evil things going on in the world. Um, Devastating. Sin has devastated the world and is still devastating the world. A a list of sins we can think about. Lust. uh, Sexual perversion. Uh, And Paul's talking about that in this text. That do not be like them. Do not give in to sexual perversion. Envy. Uh, We like what other people have. They call that covetousness. Envy is that they have something else that you want and you're mad that they even have it. It's issues of the heart, envy, strife, lying, slander, jealousy, drunkenness, selfishness, greed, covetousness, unbelief, on and on and on and on. Drunkenness, God gave me this years ago. I, uh, I was part of a company and they had a Christmas party and uh, we went out of town, Christmas party. And every Christmas party you go to, if it's an adult Christmas party, they offer drinks and every year, some of you guys are invited to the company Christmas party, aren't you? Some of you go down to Colorado and all of this, and they offer drinks, don't they? You get a couple tickets. It's like your high school reunion. It gives people, uh, it gives people an opportunity to go hang out with people and get drunk and act foolish. If you go to your company Christmas party, you don't have to drink. You don't have to have a, a few that ends up being a lot more and you're stumbling around. Drunkenness is a sin. It leads to destruction. I had a pastor friend call me this week and we were having a conversation we're talking about alcohol. He said he has never ever not once been counseling a couple that was struggling and they said you know what my husband started drinking and our marriage just got better. (laughs) But he has been counseling where the husband is drinking and the marriage gets worse or whoever it may be. Drunkenness is a sin. Learn to say no. If it means saying no to the company party, say no to it. If that's going to tempt you into sin. Paul gives us the remedy to sin in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 10, and verse 13. Because if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Uh, the world is in sin. You are desperate. For, for life, you need saving. And here it is. Here's the answer. Here's the remedy. Call upon the name of the Lord. He saves us. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. And verse 13, I add this here. For everyone, there's not a limitation. Anybody can call upon the name of the Lord to be saved. For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Church, this is good news. The world is in darkness. This great light has come. Christ has come to save us. One pastor wrote and put it this way. If our greatest need had been information, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need was money, God would have sent us an economist. If our greatest need was pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer. Entertainer. But our greatest need was forgiveness and deliverance from sin and death. So God sent us a savior. Uh, This great light has come, Jesus, in the flesh to save us from our sins. This is where we are, church. We have to understand the origin of sin. And that our hearts, we are a fallen people. We need Jesus. Sin is in the world. People need the gospel. We need to be sharing the good news. The second thing I want you to see is that now you are light in the Lord. Ephesians 5, 7 through 8 again. Therefore, do not become partakers with them in the world. For at one time you were like them. You were darkness. But now what are you? You are light. You are foes in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Church, there is good news in this verse. And the reminder is that you were once this way. Um, Paul talks about that. He gives this whole list of sins. And he said, and such were some of you. He talks about even homosexuality, all these things. And such were some of you. But now you've been saved, you've been delivered, you've been washed, you've been sanctified. And Paul is telling us here, but now you are light in the Lord. Uh, This means that there was repentance. The message of Jesus Christ, the message of the great light that came into the world was repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. What does repentance mean? Metanoia. A change of mind about your lifestyle, a change of mind about the world system, a change of mind about the things that we thought were good that are actually sin. Our culture its almost prophetical. Isaiah talked about it during his time over, over 2,000 years ago. Isaiah's writing about people that made good evil and evil good. We're actually seeing these things play out in front of us. And we're called to repent from those things. And we are called to proclaim the good news of Jesus to people that need to repent from those things. And we actually need to walk in a lifestyle of repentance as we continually pursue Jesus Christ. But again, now you are light in the Lord. What a testimony. A reminder. As you're walking through, you're like, we're celebrating Jesus Christ. There's joy. There's this great light. But there's always this reminder, you were once like this. Uh, You were once in sin, but you heard the message and you turned. That my mind changed about these things. My lifestyle changed. Here it is. You've heard me say this time and time again. Uh, Decades ago, our problem in the New Testament church was churchianity. That's what I call it, legalism. Uh, That we were pressing down rules on people that people couldn't even keep themselves. We were talking about this in merits class that the Pharisees put burdens on people, yokes, that they couldn't even uphold themselves. That's why Jesus said, my yoke is light. Because of me, you can keep these things. But I remember that it was just this force of religion, religiosity, churchianity and church. And now it's kind of, there's been an overcorrection. We've gone from at least they were, they were trying to push rules to now, I don't even want the rules. It's paganity. That I say, I'm kind of spiritual. I go to church, but I, I keep on sinning. I keep actively living in sin. I won't be delivered from it. I'm still walking in darkness, though I claim I am part of the one of light. That's what we're dealing with today. Church, everyone here has a past, but our God is in the business of changing us and giving us a hope and a future. What an awesome verse, Jeremiah 29 11. He gives us hope and a future. We are now part of God's plan. We used to do things our way. We walked in darkness. We were darkness. We were walking in the valley of the shadow of death with no hope. Then light comes. It transforms us. And guess what we are now? Jesus actually says this John eight twelve. We almost got into this today, Merit. <laughs> we watched a little bit of it. But here it is, John eight twelve. I am the light of the world, Jesus says. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness but we'll have the light of life. If you've said, Jesus, save me, you're taking part in God's plan, that you're walking in the light now, not in the darkness anymore. Your life demonstrates light, that you, you're confessing everything to God. You're an open book to God as you have light in you. And Jesus would actually say that we are what now? He says, I am the light of the world, but you are light of the world. A city cannot be hidden if it's on the hill. We're not to hide these things. We are to live in the light of Jesus Christ. But let's be honest here. Some who claim to be Christ followers are not following Jesus. They're still walking in darkness, still walking in sin, and sin leads to death. I've never met anyone who started living in sin, regardless of how small or how large, where their life got better. Christ is in the business of shining his light into a dark world that we might be partakers of his light. The Apostle John put it this way. Listen to this 1 John 1, 6 through 7. I, I, part of me wants to come in here on a Sunday morning and just read through whole chapters. And I've gotten to a place in my life where I hate just borrowing a few verses uh, because there's a whole context building to this. But here it is the Apostle John says this. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Pretty plain, right? Pretty simple. Do I really have fellowship with God if I'm living in sin and walking in darkness? I'm not practicing truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another in the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. He goes on to say that if we say we have no sin, you make him a liar. The reminder is, is that Jesus came into the world to save Who? sinners. The world is in darkness. The world is in death. The world is in sin. Jesus came into the world to save us from our sins, to reestablish our relationship with the father, to make us into his image, to be image bearers of the light. And here it is. We can be cleansed of all sin. Actually, he goes on to say, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. When is the last time you've gone to God and just poured out your heart? Regardless, even if it's not even sin, Lord, I just, I'm struggling with these things. I need you in my life, but just confessing. And there's a promise. A preacher in the making. Uh, there's a promise that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to cleanse us of all unrighteousness, guys. Some of you may need a cleansing of sin today. Uh, you keep walking in darkness in the anguish of sin. Your heart is disturbed. We have anxiety, depression, and stress levels higher than ever. I read of, um, they called it a, a, a TikTok celebrity. 21 years old, died. And they were saying her anxiety was so bad that it caused her to have a heart attack. That's how bad the heart is today. I'm going to ask Jay to come as we prepare to close. And as we close, I just want to share that even one of our dearest Christmas songs... Captures the reality we've been talking about today, church, um, of darkness and sin and light and salvation. Uh, One of the songs, I love this song. I've loved it more and more over the years. But the lyrics go this way. You know the song, O Holy Night. The stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Now, this is the line that we, we sing right over, but every time I read it now, it makes my heart shake and ache. Long lay the world in sin and error pining. The world was in sin and the world is in sin. An error pining. The world, the world is full of sin and error pining, meaning that suffering and anguish, means we can feel it in our heart. People are desperate for something to save them. They're trying all kinds of things. People will actually go and buy a crystal and pray for it, hoping that it saves their life. Uh, Chakras, all all these things. People will rearrange their furniture in a home, hoping to get some kind of magical peace. And I don't care how how you change your furniture, you're going to stumble and stub your toe no matter what. Um, But there's anguish in the heart of man. Uh, People are feeble and weak by sin. There is this longing for things to be made right. Long lay the world in sin and error pining. And then the song gives the answer. Till He appeared, that being Jesus, and the soul felt its worth again. That there's value in the human. Being made in the image of God so much so that God was willing to spill His own blood that we may be saved. A thrill of hope. The weary soul rejoices because of the salvation of Jesus Christ. For yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. in the fact that uh, light has come into the world. There is hope. Salvation is moving in on the world. All we have to do is say yes. What a Christmas to remember. What a Christmas to remember that Christ has come to save us from our sins. The song goes on, and I love it. You know, the the angels are singing, but it says, Fall on your knees and hear the angels singing. I've heard another version. Fall on your knees and praise the Savior. And so, church, as we close today, we're going to open the altars for a time of prayer, just entering into a spiritual business, recognizing the world is in sin. We have hope. The light has come. But you, have you turned from darkness to light? Is there somebody in your life that needs the light of Christ? And so let's come and let's pray. Let's fall on our knees. Maybe you just want to give glory to God. Oh, Christmas has come. Good news is here. We're a part of the mission of Jesus Christ. So let's enter into a time of prayer. If you would, just bow your heads with me. And if you want to come and pray, come and pray.